Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Political State Podcast. I'm Ben Felder from the Oklahoman here in the Oklahoman's podcast studio, a special Monday edition, normally recorded at the end of the week. We're starting the week off with this episode. It is September 9th. Joining me in the studio is the Oklahoman's Kayla Branch. Kayla, how are you? Doing well. What about you? I'm doing pretty good. You have a good weekend? I did. Very relaxing. It was a, a nice downtime. It's been a, a very busy time of year, so it's yeah. always good to find some some space. Yeah, definitely. Well, we are back at it for another week, and our guest this week, also in the studio, is Oklahoma County Commissioner Carrie Blumert, a return guest. We were talking about this before. I guess January was your first time on, and, yes. and here you are back twice in one year. That's pretty good. Yes, <laughs> yes. I will uh, chalk it up as I'm your favorite guest. Uh, I think we had an enjoyable conversation. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm allowed I'm to say, say I'm not. Um, I won't put you in that spot. <laughs> but we definitely were happy to have you back. And um, one of the reasons we want to talk to you is um, a, a, a city issue, but relates a lot of the stuff you've been talking to at the county level. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, first year in the county commission to seat, um, uh, jail reform, mm-hmm. criminal justice reform is something you've talked quite a bit about. We've talked to you about, uh, Kayla's written about this. Um, the the MAPS 4 uh, proposals that were announced a couple weeks ago and were approved by the council, which uh, is slated for an election on December 10th, includes um, a lot of things that we haven't seen in, in past MAPS. I mean, yeah. a, a program that's typically been focused on big capital projects like convention centers and parks and streetcars and stadiums has quite a bit of, of, uh, of social services. Mm-hmm. And one of those things is something that you talked about and advocated for. I mm-hmm. want to talk to you about that process. And that's uh, so it's $22 million <coughs> for construction of a restoration center, housing mental health and addiction services, $11 million for two mental health crisis centers, and $7 million for transitional housing kind of geared towards the county jail. Yes. Correct? So un- unpack these proposals because this was something that you were, when you were lobbying for, you were having yeah. your own town hall meetings trying yeah. to get this included in mm-hmm. the uh, in the proposal yes so about six or eight months ago the mayor and i sat down and talked about how can maps help the county jail um there was there was never a plan for maps to include um, funding for a new jail but the mayor came to me and said how can maps help you and i said we need more more facilities outside of the jail to treat people with mental illness and addiction so uh, i spent all summer talking to every mental health and addiction provider and agency that i could get in contact with Um, we met with north care red rock hope the recovery center um, okc metro alliance um, voice so we tried to reach out to not only providers, um, but grassroots organizations, NAMI, um, which serves families of people with mental illness. Um, We talked with law enforcement, the sheriff's office, um, staff inside of our jail. Um, I talked with the new chief of police, and it became very apparent that the highest need was more crisis centers. So when people are experiencing a mental health crisis, um, or they are experiencing um, uh, some type of overdose, uh, they will call police, call 911, and the police will um, take them either to a crisis center, to an emergency room, or to the jail. And we toured our, um, our we have two crisis centers here in Oklahoma County, and um, we toured them. And there are not enough beds. Um, because of a federal law, um, if you are billing Medicaid and you're providing mental health services, you can only have 16 beds in your facility. So it really limits how many people those facilities can serve. 
Um, in several conversations with Commissioner White at the Department of Mental Health, she said this is a huge need across the entire state. Um, so if if MAPS could pay for more mental health crisis centers in Oklahoma County, that would be incredible. So that became a huge part of it was more crisis centers. And so you, those, you said there's two in Oklahoma County. There's six, two currently. 16-bed cap. So we're looking yes. at, what, 32 yes. beds right now. One of the crisis centers has kind of gotten away around that and they have created an urgent care side of their facility okay. where someone could come in for up to 24 hours and get medication, get sleep, see a doctor, talk with a nurse, talk with a social worker and get a, a treatment plan in place, but they can only stay there for 24 hours because of that that 16 bed cap. So the crisis center um, out by um, the fairgrounds, it's out on General Pershing, they have their 16 beds for people who might need three, four, five days of stabilization. And then they have that urgent care side where they can serve about 20 more people for up to 24 hours each. So it expands how many people they can serve. Mm -hmm. um, but it still is people, oftentimes mm -hmm. people need more treatment than just 24 hours. Um, so those those two new crisis centers that we got included in MAPS, um, if it passes, fingers crossed, um, it will have each of those will have 16 beds plus that urgent care side with around 20. It can serve around 20 more people. So each crisis center will serve at a time around 35 people, which still is not ideal. Um, we'd like them to be a little bit bigger, but that is what we're dealing with right now. We're working with Congresswoman Kendra Horn um, to see if we can get some legislation at the federal level to either change that law or have a way around it um, because it doesn't. It doesn't really do us a whole lot of, of good. So the crisis centers became evident, and especially law enforcement. They said, we need more right. safe places to take people who are in crisis so that we do not have to take them to the jail. Because mm -hmm. oftentimes right now they're taking people to jail who are in crisis, who just need treatment. Um, we then discovered San Antonio, um, Bear County, has a center called the Restoration Center, and it is a crisis center, but it has all these other services related to addiction. Um, so it's mental health and addiction. And they have been operating for about 10 years. And they said they have um, diverted 60,000 bookings from their jail over 10 years um, with the, with this center. So we had several calls with, with the directors of the center. We did a lot of research. And it became apparent that this would be an incredible asset to Oklahoma City and an incredible asset to our jail by diverting lots of people from getting booked into jail who are who are committing very low level crimes simply because they have untreated mental illness and addiction. Yeah. Um, so the Restoration Center, we started using that that phrase. I'm not tied to that name to name it here in Oklahoma City, um, but that's just the name we we came up with. Um, so it'll just be a facility by the jail then? Is that the plan or what? That's our hope. But my hope is that we have a new jail someday. Mm -hmm. So I can't, as of right now, I can't say where it's going to be because my hope is that it's near the new jail. Um, but there's a lot of pieces that have to fall into place for that to be true. Um, it has to be easily accessible for law enforcement. So I would think somewhere centrally located in Oklahoma City. The two other standalone crisis centers um, will probably be more, um, whether it's north and south of the city or east and west, um, those will probably be more spread out. Yeah. yeah. So, and then another um, thing that became apparent in all of our discussions um, 
was housing for people who have mental illness, who are currently homeless, if they get booked into jail or if they go to an emergency room or if they go to the crisis center, when we discharge you and when we you've received your treatment and we let you go, you are going right back to homelessness and you are probably going to come back into the system within a matter of days. So we went and toured a, um, a housing facility in Tulsa called the Yale Apartments and walked through talked with all the residents, walked in and saw the saw the rooms and felt like this was something that Oklahoma City could benefit from. So included in our MAPS proposal is a single site, almost like an apartment complex um, with 30 units and they will probably be function almost like efficiency apartments, mm-hmm. small apartments, small dorm room type mm-hmm. rooms. Um, so we proposed 30 of those. And that, that housing site um, will be temporary, so it will not become someone's permanent home. It will be more of a three to six month, you're, you're currently homeless, you have mental illness, you've gotten care at the crisis center, you're stable, we can transition you immediately into housing for three, six, eight months, connect you with a case manager and help you figure out a treatment plan and connect you with more permanent housing. Um, So that people, a lot of people have said to me, 30 is not enough. Um, So because they are transitional, because they're not permanent, we anticipate that those 30 units will be turning over pretty regularly. Um, The Department of Mental Health said that between their two, the two crisis centers here in Oklahoma County and Griffin Memorial Hospital in Norman, which is a psychiatric hospital, on average every year they discharge 400 people back to homelessness who are leaving the crisis center or leaving Griffin Memorial. Um, That is over a a, a 365 days. So our hope is to stop those 400 people from from being discharged back to homelessness. So so that is our package or two standalone crisis centers, um, the restoration center, which includes addiction treatment and crisis beds and then transitional housing. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, this this vote is is tentatively slated for December tenth. Um, you know, th- this is in, va- in in the along, along the lines of of, uh, of an issue you've talked a lot about, and, and I think it's it's fair to kind of credit part of your election to him. This was something yeah. you talked about on the campaign trail. We've seen the election of some council members who've talked about this and other mm-hmm. uh, kind of social services. Do you think a project like this makes maps more likely to pass? Or I mean, it's tough to unpack maps because it's yeah. been successful. It's had a lot of support. It'll be interesting to see what another maps vote looks like in today's current political environment. But this shift towards kind of the social services, I mean, I'll admit, you know, my Twitter bubble is happy about these kind of things, yeah. you know, and more critical of the larger projects. But I don't know if that's if that's really the pulse of the whole city. Do you feel like that these types of projects makes maps more likely to be supported um, by a majority of the population? Or does that present new challenges and now you have to convince voters who have traditionally said, we want these big yeah. you know, sports stadiums, streetcars, parks, you know, big capital projects, but we're not sure putting it towards criminal justice yeah. is, is what we want. Yeah. So when I was campaigning in 2018, I most of my conversations when I was knocking on doors revolved around the jail because um, that's the issue that I would bring up first. And I would say nine out of 10 people were aware that we were taking people to jail with mental illness who, who didn't need to be there. Um, most, most of my voters had a pretty good understanding of that issue um, and they basically said whatever you can do to keep people with mental illness out of the jail do it Um, as long as you're keeping the community safe 
um, we we support it. So like you, I have a Twitter bubble that is very excited um, that we're including more more human needs and maps. Um, but from what I heard on the campaign trail, people want to put their their government resources and tax dollars toward um, toward mental health services. I think mental health and addiction are um, you you can't talk to someone who hasn't been affected by it in some way, whether it's themselves or their mom or their kid or um, someone in their family or in their friend circle. Um, so I think people are realizing that it's it's time we address it. And I think, I don't know if we could have included something like this in the first one or two maps. Yeah. I think now that maps has such a positive public image and people trust it, I think now is the perfect time to include something like this. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely what I've heard from folks that I've been talking to is that they saw the success that MAPS had and the growth that it caused downtown and, and throughout the city. And now they're wanting to take that and apply it to more yes. of those complex social yes. issues. Yes. And as we know, MAPS does not pay for operational dollars. Right. Um, so we have been in conversations with Department of Mental Health, Mental Health Association, the Recovery Center, um, some foundations to figure out how are we going to fund these facilities long term. Um, we, the state, just got word that they're receiving quite a bit of money from the opioid settlement. I don't know when the state will see that money. Um, There's probably a lot of appeals that are going to happen. Uh, But I would love to get some of that money to fund the Restoration Center. Um, Again, lots of puzzle pieces have to fall into place for that to happen, and lots of people have to get on board. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, and it speaks to, and you're right, I mean, you know, there's, I'm sure there are segments of the population that are skeptical of projects like this, but it does seem to be that there is this continued shift towards this kind of more, I mean, I guess we won't put a label on it, kind of a more progressive view yeah. of, of politics. And we've talked about that, especially here in Oklahoma City. And I was thinking about this over the weekend, too. Um, we, uh, uh, our colleague Josh Delaney of the Oklahoma on Saturday covered a memorial service for a gentleman who yeah. passed away, Bob Waldrip. And I was looking up some articles. So Bob is a is a is kind of a, a a volunteer or a coordinator of different volunteer programs. He had he'd worked at a kind of a, a, a grocery program providing groceries for for shut-ins and families that weren't able to, to get to the grocery store. As a prolific organist at his church. Anyways, Bob ran for city council in 2015. I don't know if you remember that election. I was thinking I about this. I don't think so. So Bob ran for city Which council. Seat? He ran against uh, Meg Sawyer. Uh, so what? Okay. Six. Six. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently, Joe Beth Hammond. And he came within, I want to say it was like 10 points. So it wasn't like, I mean, it wasn't like Sawyer, who was an established incumbent, you know, won, you know, by the narrowest of margins. But it was pretty close. Yeah. I, I mean, it was it was shockingly close, especially considering that Bob had almost no money to spend in, <laughs> spend on it. He was very consistent to his message. Yeah. That, these, that this renovation of Oklahoma City has ignored or even come at the expense mm-hmm. of our most needy. Yeah. And I think that was kind of the first I think it was a wake-up call for a lot of people in city politics. It may have been the first wake-up call to someone like Sawyer, uh, you know, not to criticize, you know, her. We, we've had her on the pro- program before and talked about her legacy. Um, it may have been the time where she says, well, maybe things are starting to shift yeah. a little bit um, to where it started to pave the way for a Joe Beth Hammond. Yeah. Where you can kind of definitely see that that race. So, uh, you know, I think it's going to – I think the maps is what's going to be interesting. I, yeah. Everybody assumes maps is a slam dunk because it's always been, and it probably is likely to pass. I don't know. I feel like we're in a political era now where if people who don't like one thing will throw the whole thing out. Correct. I mean, that's just kind of where we're at today in politics. But it will be interesting to see if it gets even more support because there's a focus on issues that traditionally have 
not been a yeah. priority for the city and county. And if you look at the shift in demographic of those who voted in 2018, um, yes, our electorate in Oklahoma City is still in the the more senior adult category, but you saw a lot more people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s show up to vote in 2018. Um, and I think that's good for this maps. If if those people show up and vote, um, we can't assume it's a slam dunk. We have to, I think, um, I know tomorrow there's a, I say tomorrow, I don't know when you all are going to be listening to this. <laughs> Posted today. Today's okay. Monday. So go ahead and say tomorrow. Um, Tuesday. Tomorrow, Tuesday, September 10th, there's going to be a press conference um, from the chamber and lots of other groups who are kind of kicking off the public campaign. Um, and so that will, you'll start seeing stuff online, on TV, in your mailbox, promoting maps. So there's still a lot of work to be done to educate voters to go vote. Yeah. What do you feel like, the, how would you describe kind of the relationship between the, the city and county? I mean, this is a city program. Yeah. And it seems like in the past, uh, you know, the city wasn't really eager to get involved in county issues. Now, a lot of that was about the construction of a new jail. We'll get yes. into that here in a little yeah. bit. <laughs> um, but you essentially had, you know, the mayor of Oklahoma City saying, we'd like to take some of our money and put it towards, yeah. you know, a, a county programs that do impact us, but, yeah. but county programs nonetheless. Yeah. I got a lot of questions about that during when we were giving our, our proposal to city council, um, which happened two, two or three weeks before city council actually voted on the package. And these facilities that were that I put forward into the package are probably not going to be, quote, county-run facilities, okay. just because Oklahoma County government has never run and operated a crisis center, you know? That really is the bailiwick of the Department of Mental Health and places like Northcare, um, Red Rock, Mental Health Association. So what will probably happen is the MAPS dollars will pay for the construction. The city will coordinate all of that and then release an RFP. And groups who already operate these types of facilities can apply and can submit a bid. Um, that's probably what will happen. Um, but I plan to stay pretty involved just because this has kind of been my baby from the beginning. Yeah. Um, but it will it will not be a necessarily a county run building or facility um, that the county might put money, put resources toward it. I'm very open to that um, because it will benefit our jail. And that uh, I think it was Councilman Gra Greenwell asked me during the during the presentation he said is the is the county and willing to put resources and money toward this because it's going to benefit you and i said i'm certainly willing to have that conversation but i speak i'm one of three board members on the commission um so and i know brian and kevin my uh, co my other commissioners have been publicly supportive of mental health and addiction treatment um, so that'll that those are conversations that will happen down the line. But this isn't just a, a I mean this isn't just addressing a county issue. Right? Correct. I mean, in a way, I a lot of the focus is on the jail, which is the county facility. And yeah. Once again, we'll get into that here in just a moment. But um, so you partly you have a, a jail that's in need of improvement, uh, rebuilt. Um, but you also have too many people in that jail. Yes. Right. Okay. And that's not a county issue per se. Correct. I, the bulk of that responsibility <laughs> lies with the city, right? Yes. So about 75% of the people who are brought to our county jail are brought by Oklahoma City Police Department. And that is that is the nature of Oklahoma City is the largest 
municipality in the yeah. county. And, and so if they are if if they are continuing to arrest many individuals who need some type of treatment and not just to be locked up, I mean, this is really yeah. A, a, a program to address that issue, yes. which is a city issue. Yes. I mean, it's everyone's issue, yes. but it's kind of more of a city issue. Yes. And a couple months ago, Commissioner Mon um, did a an op-ed mm-hmm. in the Oklahoman, and he proposed the, the the topic was maps should include mental health. And he proposed that every municipality in the county should essentially pay into to funding mental health. Um, so that's also, I think, a really great idea um, that those are conversations that will happen later on. Um, but I could see the Restoration Center being a, a countywide facility that every municipality pays into in some way or has an agreement with in some way. Yeah. So Well, well let's talk about the county jail and the politics of that. Kayla, can you yes. kind of catch us up real quick on where we stand? Because there's been a lot of movement with the jail trust and, and, and moving towards a, an outside administrator and kind of where do things stand now for the county Yeah, jail? definitely. So since the jail was built, there have been um, – serious problems, escapes, deaths, um, lots of inmate on inmate, inmate on um, detention officer violence, um, a lot of suicides. It's been a real problem. There have been structural issues, mold, um, all sorts of things that have gone wrong over the 28 life period of this jail. And um, people have known that it's been an issue and it's really just taken two decades to get to a point where um, there was enough political will within the public, enough um, elected officials who were really focusing in on this issue to start the process of really making significant change. And what that has looked like in the last few years and really in just the last few months, was the creation of multiple committees to study the jail and see, um, you know, what are some tangible steps we can make, um, take to make our current situation better? And then the creation of the Oklahoma County Jail Trust, which happened this May. Um, And in the last few months since they've been meeting, um, just here recently, they've uh, voted to hire an outside jail administrator who they believe will come in with fresh perspectives and new ideas to solve old problems. Um, And so that's kind of where we're at now. Um, and just in terms of the facts, but politically, and um, there has been, um, I think, a lot of <laughs> people have been um, frustrated, um, and I know that a lot of drama. Yes, there's been a lot of drama, and I know particularly um, Oklahoma County Sheriff P.D. Taylor has been, um, you know, pretty vocal about his not um, not that he's against the trust per se because he's made this very clear, and he's not against the trust, but he is against hiring an outside jail administrator. He kind of feels as if um, since he took over two years ago, um, he's made a lot of changes, and in two years, the jail population has gone down um, and things have um, gotten better from where they were uh, most of during the life of the jail but there is still a lot of room for improvement and um, so he's been frustrated that they're making these changes without kind of acknowledging um, the progress that his administration has made but it's it's really just been a long time coming and um, that we're at this point now where we're going to hire someone who's going to come in and hopefully have a wealth of experience and knowledge in running a jail rather than being a law enforcement officer um, and hopefully we'll see some fixes there and I think too kind of to your point about um, wanting to build a new jail um, that there is the hope from elected officials who were pushing for this change um, that the public will see this as we take this seriously and we realize that these problems need to be fixed and we're going to do whatever it takes Um, because the county went to 
the voters multiple times over the last two decades and said, we need more money to build a new jail. And the public basically said, no, you don't know what you're doing. We're not going to do that. Um, and so I think the hope is now maybe they will. So, yeah. you, so do you see that, Commissioner, as this is kind of a, if, if we're going to get to the point where you're going to be asking the public to spend more money on a county jail, that first there needs to be some uh, proof yeah. that uh, some of the drama can be taken out of it, that there is kind of a, a, a more focused uh plan mm-hmm. on, imp- on yeah. bringing improvements to the jail. And putting the jail trust authority into place, um, it's a nine-member um, board of trustees, and I think the um, the big intention of that was not only to make big changes at the jail, but to build trust with the voters yeah. and to show the voters that we have this, this brand-new board of oversight over what's going on at the mm-hmm. jail. Um, the sheriff is no longer the only one making decisions. And I think um, Sheriff Taylor and I have a, a very good relationship, and he and I talk frequently. Um, but his predecessor, um, yes, he continued to get reelected, mm-hmm. but he did not run an effective jail at all. And the that's why the public kept voting down those sales tax initiatives, because they didn't trust the way that the jail was being run. Um, so I think having the the nine member board, um, the nine member board of of trustees, I think, in my opinion, will will help build credibility credibility with the public. Yeah, I mean, I think you go with this trust. You say, hey, look, we are we are doing some things that we haven't done in the past. You also kind of triple your number of advocates. I mean, yeah, that's kind of mm-hmm. tough if you yeah. want to go to the public and advocate for, you know, a countywide election. I mean, the city can do that. I mean, especially if it's got you know other partners like the chamber and stuff yeah. on, on board, but. Um, with many more council members, I mean, they've got someone in every corner of the city kind yeah. of advocating for that. There's only three of you, right? Yeah. And so nine, I mean, it, it <laughs> sounds kind of simple. Right, well, yeah. It sounds kind of simple. <laughs> but some of, these tru- some of the trust members include uh, former city manager uh, Jim, Jim Couch. Couch. And I mean, who are some of the other members? Uh, t- former Lieutenant Governor Todd Lamb, yeah. former State Senator Ben Brown, Trisha Everest, Sue Ann Arnall. So people with some positions. Yes. Of, and then Francie Ekwereku is a public defender. Um, yep, former um, police chief. M.T. Barry. Yeah. Um, Sheriff Taylor. Sheriff Taylor. And one county commissioner sits on it. And right now it's Kevin Kelly. OK. So if you're if you're wanting to put forward a countywide uh, uh, election, uh, I mean, it's not a bad group to have yeah. to try to have some, <laughs> yeah. some sway and trying to convince. Maybe not a, a bad group to have for some in terms of uh, uh, donating to a campaign. Yeah. But uh, so going back to January, last time you were in the show, we talked about it at the top of the show. I, I remember one of the things that you kind of predicted for the years, you felt like at some point within your first year, there would be some kind of plan or proposal to bring a vote to the people to build a new jail. I mean, no maps is kind of focused on that. I'm not saying we're holding you to it, that we're, we are coming up at the end of the, of the end of year. Um, <laughs> you must have gone back and watched that. But I'm curious, I, I, not if you think it's still going to happen necessarily before we get to January, because I don't know that that's yeah. the case. But how likely do you think it is that we will in the near future see a, a jail election? So when I last came on the show, I think it was Jan- mid-January, that's right. Uh, I did not anticipate that we would create a trust that quickly. Okay. I thought it might take us a year to two years to create a trust. And little did I know, May 22nd, we would vote to create a trust. And I think it all worked out the way it was supposed to work out. Um, so 
now that decision you just asked me about is really in the hands of the trust. Mm -hmm. Now, the county commissioners are the ones that approve what goes on the ballot. We take a vote on if it's a bond issue, if it's a sales tax, whatever it is. Um, but the trust is who will come to us and say, this is how we want to fund it. This is what how we want to do it. Um, so I don't, I my hope yeah. is that it's in the next year, uh, but they are pretty focused right now on hiring their administrator. Mm-hmm. And I would assume that once they get the administrator in place that they are waiting or not waiting, they are working with the administrator to see what changes can be made before they decide we need a new building. Um, the trust has never had an open discussion, and correct me if I'm wrong, Kayla, the trust has never had an open discussion about, do we need a new facility? And I know Ben Brown has, yes. right now he said, I'm not in support of a new facility. Um, whereas I think Francie Ekwareku, who is my appointee, I think she is is ready for a new facility. Um, so it'll be interesting to see when the trust chooses to have that conversation and if they can choose an administrator an administrator that um, they feel like makes enough changes. So that is my wonky answer to your question. Yeah, no, it's a good answer. And I think um, <laughs> you're right, you kind of have to go through the, the motions again because yeah. you have this new body, right? Yes. And I know that as, you know, reading some of Kayla's story about the early meetings of the trust and, and some of the things that they're discussing and some of the things that they want to study, my initial thought is like, Geez, we've done this. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, where yeah. have you been? Yeah, like, and it, and and there's been some moments on the trust, like, you know, there's some problems at the jail. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's, but that's yeah. what you have to do when you have a new body put together. I mean, you yes. kind of have to let them lead. In yes. fact, it's kind of you know, you want you kind of want it to be their idea, right? Yeah. You want the trust to say, you know what, yeah, may need a new jail. And and the trust, from a legal standpoint, is meant to be very separate from the board of county commissioners mm-hmm. and from the budget board. That's its purpose is to not remove liability from the county, but create this separate entity that's going to govern the jail. Um, so if if the commissioners or the budget board sit there and try to tell the trust what to do, that's not going to work. It's yeah. not going to work at all. Yeah. Um, so I try to keep in close contact with several of the trust members just to give them information. I almost never tell them you should do this or you should vote this way. I am simply there to give them information and to answer their questions. Yeah. So, yeah, I think too, some of it goes back to that point about building trust that they want people to know that we're taking our time. We yeah. listen to everything we've been collecting, um, you know, non-biased information. And so that it does have not um, just the appearance of, oh, we tried, but you know, that there is some We're actually back doing to. our due diligence. Yeah. yeah. Well, and we'll get a we'll get a good indication in December or at least a somewhat of yeah. an indication on mm-hmm. what the public thinks. I mean, if you know, if if the maps, you know, and a lot of factors will be at play. But I mean, if maps passes by just a point or two, they may say, wow, you know, we, it was successful. But, you know, having this, this intense focus on social yeah. issues can be a heavy lift. Yeah. Um, and it's probably a bol- whole different ball game when you have on one hand you have a maps program that has a lot of social projects but still has some of those big capital yeah. projects versus a dedicated tax to a new jail yeah I mean, it's a whole that's probably a whole different campaign yeah and probably a, and there's probably a no lot more that campaign is gonna <laughs> there's probably like. a lot more skepticism from the public yes and in my opinion <clears throat> i think if we ever go to the voters for some type of sales tax i would hope that we would portray it as this is a criminal justice reform tax. This is not, <clears throat> excuse me, this is not just a tax 
um, so the county can have a brand new, you know, big jail. Um, I, if, if, if I were to try to convince a voter right now to support a half cent or a full cent or a quarter cent or whatever for a new jail, um, I would pose it as this is criminal justice reform. Yeah. Um, this will pay for a new mental health wing in the jail. This will pay for um, space for programming in the jail. Um, this is not just another 13-story facility. So would you see, let's say MAPS is successful, it passes, you've got this money for a restoration center and these other things. Um, would it be time to jump on that to say, okay, well, now maybe we should build a new facility so that we can, because this can be the place where we put it? It's my opinion, yes. Um, but again, I'm not a trustee um, on the trust right now. Um, and I only speak for one of three commissioners. But yes, I would think we can capitalize on the public is supportive of social programming, um, using MAPS dollars for for human needs, it's time for us to continue investing and build a new jail um, that's a lot more humane, a lot more focused on rehabilitation. So the next year will be really interesting yeah. of what happens in December and what happens with the administrator and what happens with potentially a new facility. Yeah. So. Interesting. Well, we'll have you back on in 10 months and I'll ask you, where is that new jail tax <laughs> you promised on oh this episode? You promised you vote. It's so interesting to think back I mean, I remember that day of walking in here. It feels like it was ages ago. Mm -hmm. I think it was maybe my, I really do think it was my first week. Um, I didn't know. I mean, I knew what I needed to know at the time, but the amount that I have learned in the last nine to 10 months um, is, I feel like my brain has grown two sizes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, So. Well, we appreciate you coming in and updating us on some Thank of the things you. that are going on. Thank you for having us. Yeah, this always good talking to you. Yes. Yeah, it's a great conversation. And uh, yeah, we'll look forward to having it again. So, Thank you. Uh, Carrie and Kayla, thanks for your time. I'm Ben Felder with The Oklahoma. This has been another episode of Political State. We'll see you again next week.